Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of The Jared White Show, recorded May 2nd, 2019. Mayday! Mayday! Can anyone hear me? Haha. I'm your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. Little by little, it's all coming together. I'm talking about my YouTube video set. Yes, I'm working on a location that I can record videos for YouTube on a regular basis. I sit at a little desk and have artifacts around me that are relevant to the kind of topics I'll be discussing on the videos. Uh, And I'm working on getting some kind of interesting thing going on behind me for a backdrop. Uh, One of the cool things is I bought a LifeX smart bulb. Yes, I am now part of the Internet of Things, smart home revolution, whatever you want to call it. Uh, You'd think being a computer nerd, I would have gotten on this bandwagon a long time ago. Um, But to be honest, uh, getting little gadgets that hook into various things around the house and playing with them just isn't something generally that intrigues me at all. I don't really like even being in buildings. (laughs) I try to get outside every day. I try to spend as much time as I can outdoors. I just don't like being inside. I don't, I'm not a homebody. I'm definitely not a homebody. Uh, So I just haven't been motivated to spend the money and the time to research and obtain a bunch of smart home gadgetry. Um, But I really wanted to get some kind of cool light that I could control uh, for sort of adding color to the wall behind me on this YouTube video set, Um, you know, illuminating me from behind a little bit and splashing some color on the wall. And so after looking at different sort of professional lighting systems and different ideas, spotlights and so forth, I had the idea, why don't I just get a smart bulb where I can control the brightness and the color and then just, you know, find some kind of little lantern or spotlight or some kind of thing to plug the bulb into to to house that. So that's what I did. And I actually got this really cool looking lantern sort of thing at Walmart of all places and plugged the bulb into that. Got it all set up and it works very well. I'm very impressed with the LifeX bulb. I don't have anything to compare it with, so I don't know, you know, pros and cons. I wouldn't be able to tell you how it compares to the Philips Hue system or one of the other smart bulbs out there. Um, But so far, so good. Uh, If you're looking for a smart bulb, I think the LifeX is definitely a contender. The quality of the app is good, and the integration with iOS HomeKit is excellent. So I'm very impressed with that. I'm, I'm excited to use that as part of my atmosphere in YouTube videos going forward. Another project I've been working on is I'm in the middle of a redesign. Well, it's not so much a redesign as a rebranding, as a as new typography, new colors, that sort of thing, for both my website and this podcast. And I'm trying to come up with more of a unified design language to tie all of my various personal brand branding together. And I was hoping to get ready by this episode so I could announce it, but it's not quite fully baked. So I'm sure it'll be done by next week. I'll talk a little bit more about it then. Uh, it's it's definitely pushing the envelope in terms of what I consider to be 
tasteful. <laughs> I, I tend to like minimalist design. I tend to be um, more on the conservative side with how I design things in terms of color choices or font choices. But in this case, I decided to be bold. I decided to be gregarious and sort of embrace both the spring season and some of the, the trendy things you see happening in the world of popular colors and fashion and all that sort of thing. So <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know how long this design will last. I may end up tweaking it some more later this year, but for now, it's a heck of a lot of fun. Can't wait to show it to you guys. And also, yes, I've been a busy beaver. <laughs> I've been working on my new Flickr profile. Well, it's actually not really new. It's been, uh, I've actually been a member of Flickr for over a decade, I think. Uh, but for many years there, my account was just basically dormant, languishing. And now with the new ownership of Flickr, the folks at SmugMug now own Flickr, and they've uh, been switching the, the login system away from Yahoo. Um, it's still a little confusing, because I think if you try to sign up right now, you still have to go through Yahoo, which is weird. But I was able to uh, set up the new login system without using Yahoo, Flickr's own native login system, and uh, update my profile. And I'm in the process of getting a back catalog of photos up there. And I'll be using that more regularly going forward. I still haven't decided how I'm going to approach Instagram. I am sort of sort of thinking I'll stay on Instagram and keep my profile going, but I think I'll post there less frequently than I originally planned to when I was really starting to push that. Uh, I think I'll, you know, sort of do like the 80-20 rule where 80% of my photography focus is on Flickr and 20% is on Instagram, something like that, uh, just to keep a little skin in the game. Speaking of game, I saw Endgame... Yes, last weekend I saw Avengers Endgame, and uh, the thing about Endgame is if you thought Avengers Infinity War was a big, massive spectacle of a movie, <laughs> this is even more over the top. This is even more wild. It's just more of everything. More laughs, more tears, more action, just more of everything. More, more, more. And usually when you have a sequel to something and the sequel tries to amp it up even more, it fails. But in this case, I feel like they succeeded. Uh, it's not as tight of a movie. I felt like Infinity War had a very sort of linear thrust at this sort of momentum that just keeps building and building and building and building till the end, this sort of relentless push of the story forward. And you have this sort of foreboding about what might happen and it, was, it had this very sort of through-line kind of feel to the movie. Uh, Endgame is kind of all over the map. Uh, just all kinds of crazy stuff getting thrown at you from all sorts of different directions. And the story pretzels in on itself and goes all kinds of unexpected places. I'm not sure if I prefer that to the more linear thrust of a movie like Infinity War. Um, but I think... Uh, I think these movies always get better on the second or third viewing, so I really want to see Endgame again. Uh, I liked Infinity War, but I wasn't crazy about it the first time around, and then I saw it a second time off of Netflix and really, really liked it. So I have a feeling I'll I'll warm up similarly to Endgame as well. 
in terms of the context of this movie, it, it does what it needs to do beautifully. It ties everything together. It brings the whole MCU story that we've been following all these years, it brings it together. It, it puts an end to this saga. Uh, it does a great job at doing what we expect it to do, what we need this movie to do for us. It satisfies from that narrative standpoint. Uh, and clearly, most of you have seen it <laughs> because the box office uh, records on this are just mind-boggling. I mean, so many people have seen this movie. So many people are seeing it again and again already. Uh, the numbers are just through the roof. It's breaking records left and right. So, you know, who could have predicted? Who could have predicted back before that first Iron Man movie came out that the Marvel Cinematic Universe would become this massive juggernaut that it is today? And something I was thinking about as I was watching this is there's another saga coming to an end this year. There's another big movie franchise that's kind of coming to a conclusion, and that's Star Wars. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker will be coming out at the end of the year. And it's it's a strange time to live in because, you know, in the past, you might have said that, you know, Star Wars is the biggest movie franchise and you know if it's if it's if it's in the movie theaters and there's new star wars storytelling being done you know that eclipses everything else in terms of being this big massive beloved franchise and now we're in this weird scenario where the franchise du jour is the MCU and star wars feels kind of like it's struggling like it's just trying to it's trying to keep up get people enthusiastic and people aren't quite getting there. And, you know, they, they had a big misstep with The Last Jedi. That movie was not universally appreciated. Uh, I do like The Last Jedi, but I definitely feel like it had some structural issues. Um, Solo was kind of a flop, although I did think that was actually a good movie. I liked it better than Rogue One, to be honest. Anyway, it just feels like, you know, <laughs> when Disney first bought Lucasfilm and said they're going to start making Star Wars movies, I think everyone was, was really crossing their fingers that we'd be able to get away from the, the dismal world of the prequels that <laughs> were obviously not very uh, universally appreciated, get some new stories, get some new blood in there, and it'd be really exciting. Uh, and that's kind of happened, and it's kind of not happened. And so now with J.J. Abrams at the helm, Everyone's hoping to to get a good, satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker saga. Uh, but I think there's a lot of cautious optimism here. So very different vibe than with the MCU. I mean, at this point, everyone goes into a Marvel movie uh, just expecting it to knock your socks off. And if it doesn't, that's kind of shocking. Uh, and so far, they've just been on on just an unbelievable roll. So it'll be very intriguing to see where the MCU goes from here. You know, this next phase with, with new characters, with new stories, with new saga details. You know, where are they going to take this? And the MCU seems to be branching out into TV in the form of new Disney Plus shows. Uh, I just heard a rumor that I guess has been confirmed by Sebastian Stan that there's going to be a, a team up of uh, – Falcon and Winter Soldier in some kind of Avengers spin-off show for Disney Plus. 
Uh, I don't know. They're, they're they're going all kinds of new directions here. So it'll be interesting to see how Disney Plus affects the MCU and how it ties into future movies and all that. All right. So I have a new segment for you all. Yes, this is a new segment being debuted on this episode, and it's called Stuff Mastodon Says. These are toots that I'm reading right off of Mastodon, and I'll just jump right into it. First up, Nico Dark Mode at Nico at Mastodon.social tooted, got a broom and wrote, all cops are bastards in the dropped blossoms from the trees along the pavement outside my flat. But on reflection, it's a bit of a sweeping statement. Cue the laughter. Next up, Big Hell at Alana at the dot giant dot horse. Toots. She may not look like much, but this coffee, a collection of dried beans soaked in boiling water, is improving my mood, a task humans are generally unable to complete. So this struck me as funny because I've never really thought of coffee this way. <laughs> like I've never uh, held a cup of coffee in my hands and thought to myself, hmm, this is very interesting, a collection of dried beans soaked in boiling water. It sounds very weird if you phrase it that way. Like, why would anyone want to drink that? That sounds disgusting. <laughs> uh, but it's not. Coffee's amazing. So, uh, yeah, improving her mood, uh, improving my mood. Not today, though. I'm drinking green tea this morning, not coffee, because I think green tea helps with speaking or energy as you speak or something. I don't know. That's a tip I picked up from another podcaster. We'll, we'll see if it works here. <laughs> next up, next cloud at nextcloud at mastodon.xyz. Toots, say hi to nextcloud16. New and better. Uh, anyway, there's a list of what's new in nextcloud16. Uh, I won't go into all, but uh, Next Cloud is pretty awesome. It basically lets you get away from all of the all of the big services you might use for file sharing and calendars and contact management and different things like that. Uh, you can install all kinds of add-ons to build new features into your Next Cloud install. It's pretty awesome. So they have a new version out. I haven't tried it yet on my Next Cloud server, but I'll definitely be. I'll definitely be upgrading soon. So thanks, Nextcloud, for letting us know about the next release. And finally, Colin Devro at cdevro at mastodon.social, toots. I'm calling it. Satya Nadella is Microsoft's best CEO ever. And he has a link to an article he wrote about why he feels that way. And I think it's hard to argue with what he says there. Uh, I certainly agree that Microsoft's best CEO ever is Satya Nadella. He's done an amazing job turning the company around. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to sort of fathom how <laughs> much Microsoft was the target of ire on the part of many uh, geeks and fans of alternative platforms and open source and all that kind of stuff. You know, Microsoft was the evil empire, uh, and now they are doing cool stuff like 
running GitHub and releasing Visual Studio Code, which is the most awesome open source code editor ever, in my opinion, even better than Atom, which was pretty neat and actually is by the GitHub folks. So it's weird. Microsoft now has two different open source code editors under its wing. But uh, anyway, yeah, Microsoft has definitely turned itself around. Doesn't mean I'm using a bunch of their services. Doesn't mean I'm going to go get a Windows-based computer anytime soon. But uh, I do appreciate what Microsoft is trying to do in this new era of interop and open source software. And that concludes today's segment of Stuff Mastodon Says. Now we're up to the link segment. First article of the day here is very, very distressing. Vladimir Putin has approved a sovereign internet bill for Russia. Uh, Basically, it looks like he's trying to push Russia in the direction of doing what China has done with the Great Firewall. Uh, I don't know if Russia's new Great Firewall will be quite to that extreme level, but it definitely sounds like it's heading in that direction. Uh, This apparently is going to go into effect by November this year. And... uh, this is just bad news in a, in a whole string of bad news we've had over the last few years about more and more countries trying to lock down the internet, trying to censor the internet, trying to infringe upon people's freedom of free speech on the internet. Uh, and it kind of dovetails with some of the wonkiness in the world of social media right now, where people are clamoring for social media companies to do a better job censoring the content on their platforms. And I feel like there's there's two completely different issues that kind of get intermingled and not talked about properly. There's the first issue here, which is if you are running a proprietary commercial media platform like YouTube, like Facebook, et cetera, you know, what are your responsibilities for policing the content that's published on your platform? And we can have a debate about that. But that's a completely separate debate than what kind of content should be permissible to be published or consumed on the internet in general. And my take there is is unequivocal. I don't believe in any internet censorship whatsoever. I think if you register a domain and put up a website, you should be able to publish anything. Anything. Anything you want. Illegal stuff, terrible stuff, horrendous stuff, and it's up to laws that are already on the books to deal with that. So if you put up a website and you have instructions on how to build a bomb, there shouldn't be any censorship in the sense that, you know, some firewall somewhere is looking through keywords and sees bomb and some other thing and all of a sudden shuts your website down. There should just be an investigation of who published this website, who is the person responsible for it, and they should be prosecuted according to the laws that say, you know, whatever, like you can't promote uh, manufacturing weapons without whatever, a license or something. I, I don't know. Whatever laws you have, they should be unrelated to the internet per se. It should be the same case as if you had a leaflet in your hand that you'd printed out and were just handing to people on the street. Like, you should have laws about things that are restricted behavior in a country. Don't uh, promote, disseminate child pornography, for instance. But again, like whether you have literal photos in a shoebox somewhere, whether you're you know publishing some kind of underground magazine to sell to people, whether you're putting that up on the internet, 
to me, it, it's irrelevant what the medium is. You should be prosecuted according to what your behavior is. So, so that's my take here. I don't think people should be able to do whatever they want in a legal sense. But I think it's in terms of internet technology, in terms of internet infrastructure, I believe that anything should be publishable. Anything should be accessible. I don't think there should be any sort of censorship in terms of an automated process or some kind of moderation or review process at the internet infrastructure level. I, I, I make no exceptions in this type of scenario. That's my take on it anyway. Obviously, Vladimir Putin feels differently. Obviously, China feels differently. You know, you can't post certain things in China, certain references to historical events they don't want anyone to talk about. Uh, you just get instantly banned. You know, people might get just kicked off of a game all of a sudden if they type something into a chat box, that sort of thing. Uh, it's it's just crazy to me. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is here other than uh, seek out organizations like the EFF, Electronic Frontier Foundation, other organizations out there that are promoting internet freedom, that are promoting uh, keeping the internet unencumbered from censorship and moderation. Uh, let's, let's all keep trying to support these organizations and get the word out that, that we can't abide any sort of government control of the internet uh, any sort of censorship at the infrastructure level. On to a lighter note here. Uh, John Gruber over at Daring Fireball posted a link to a site that's really cool. It's called Typography 2020. And it's a comprehensive look at the typography and overall design choices of the websites for all of the Democratic candidates for U.S. president. So Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris and all the different folks that are running for president, uh, they have, you know, they have websites up and they're all over the place in terms of design quality and choice of typography and different things. So it's an interesting look. Um, I think um, some of the some of the websites aren't so great, but surprisingly, a lot of them actually look really nice. And I think it's a testament to how far web design has come as a discipline. You know, a number of years ago, <laughs> uh, having a really nicely designed website was was challenging and somewhat rare, I would say. Uh, and now it's pretty much the norm. Like, to have a website that looks really, really bad is an anomaly. Uh, it basically goes from decent to awesome. And so, so that's really cool. Uh, I enjoyed seeing all the, the different approaches in terms of logos and, you know, what the call to action is and what the messaging is. So I really encourage you to look at that overview there. It's, it was a lot of fun for me. I'm, I'm a type nerd. I fully admit it. And I think John Gruber is too, <laughs> which is why he was geeking out over this as well. And last but not least, Veronica Mars is back. Yes. <laughs> Veronica Mars. Uh, it's both a person and a TV show uh, played by Kristen Bell. The show back in the early 2000s was, or, well, maybe mid-2000s. Anyway, it was this really cool little show about a teenage detective and her dad uh, solving crimes in this little town of Neptune along the seaside. 
uh, just so much fun. You know, the the sort of uh, sort of sassy, smart, ar- arresting way that Kristen Bell uh, has that she brings to her roles these days. I think you know this was one of the first opportunities she got to shine in this original Veronica Mars TV show. Uh, then it got canceled after three seasons. They did one of the first big Kickstarters to get a movie made, which I haven't seen. I only saw the the original TV show. I didn't want to see the movie because I have this weird thing where sometimes I don't want to see the last thing that gets made of something. So, for example, I've seen every episode of Star Trek The Next Generation except the very last episode of the very last season. I just felt like, well, if I watch this episode, there will be no more Star Trek Next Generation to watch. (laughs) And that's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So I always want to have at least one episode of Star Trek Next Generation I haven't seen yet. And I felt the same way about Veronica Mars. If I watched that movie, I wouldn't get any more Veronica Mars because it's also one of my favorite shows. But now I can watch the movie because they're making a new Veronica Mars TV show. It's coming to Hulu and I'm going to have to subscribe to Hulu. <laughs> I haven't been a subscriber, but this one show is going to make me a subscriber. Uh, there's no way I'm going to miss the the new Veronica Mars show coming out. Uh, so there's a trailer out. You can check out that link in the show notes. Uh, it seems really cool. It seems like they've uh, brought the band back together, or at least some of it. Uh, she and her dad are both still in Neptune, and there's a whole new crime wave going on that they have to solve and uh, I'm interested to see how Hulu does the the you know how they handle the format of this show as compared to in the past you know is it going to feel more like the the modern tv show where you have lots of uh, plot threads that go through multiple episodes and kind of has this you know storyline that builds upon itself or is it going to be more traditionally episodic we'll have to see But I'm very, very excited, very excited about this Veronica Mars revival. All right, folks, that is it for today. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you can go to jaredwhite.com to find out more about the work that I do on the open web and about this show. And if you have any questions or thoughts or ideas about the show, please send me an email, jared at jaredwhite.com. Or you can follow me on Mastodon. Go to openweb.social slash at Jared. All right, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Jared White Show, Jared White Show. He is so cool, and he's also my daddy. Jared White Show, Jerry White Show.